0: Yes, that's right. Yes, you're hearing right. Yes. Yes, you are. It's a rama in your ears.
1: Okay, guys, welcome to another episode of Head in the Cloud. Um, The public have demanded I continue to take over from Sam due to unprecedented levels of success in, in last week's podcast. They want to continue to see me. I'm the new face. So we're really excited this week for uh, John Shanks to join us and um, he's the CEO of a company we met at Barcelona Kubicon last year I believe uh, in yeah. 2019 uh, and he's the CEO of Appvia so welcome John to this week's podcast. Hello. <laughs> Super stuff. Um, so John do you want to just start by kicking off to our audience telling us a little bit about Appvia and what you're doing?
0: Um, yeah so Appvia um, is essentially a cloud native based product company um, where kind of working with containers, um, specifically Kubernetes, with the aim to make innovation as simple as possible. So that's kind of leveraging um, cloud-based managed services as much as we kind of can um, to kind of reduce technical debt in companies, but making that transition quite simple um, and tr- effectively trying to enable developers to self-serve, um, kind of lowering the bar to entry so to speak, for developers on operational tooling like Kubernetes and containers um, and the ancillary services in there, essentially.
1: Okay, cool. Super relevant tech, obviously. Um, And and it's a new year. I guess we're we're a few months into 2020 now. Uh, We'll talk about today's climate and and how that affects things. But how are things
0: shaping for you guys in general this year? Um, Yeah, so we did our product launch um, very recently. So we kind of spent a um, a lot of time thinking, I guess, kind of ironically with the head in the clouds concept, because we were kind of thinking a lot and, and doing a lot of prototyping for quite a long time um, and trying to get our handle on um, core as a product, um, what problems to solve, because obviously it's a huge amount of problems um, from beginning to end that developers or operations teams face. Um And then it was kind of building out a bit more of a vision around the product to streamline as much as we possibly could um, for clients um, in getting into cloud really more than just kubernetes it was kind of making kubernetes a bit more closer to the organization so a lot more accessible to teams i think at the moment a lot of companies have um, central platforms um, which is something we did and, and um, a kind of journey I think people naturally go on. But eventually that gets quite tricky uh, and cumbersome. And I think we're starting to see a lot more adoption on cloud, um, especially things like EKS or GKE or AKS, Azure's or Google's. Um, but it's still quite complicated. Um, and it's still not specifically team-driven. There's still a lot of on another team to kind of orchestrate everything on the side. So we're kind of starting to now get more traction with the product um, working with different companies um had a lot more validation which was which was good that we are kind of um i guess focusing in the right place on on where we thought the problems were um so yeah, so now it's looking quite positive i think um but gradual, so it took a long time to get to um started to get traction really
1: yeah i remember we we met obviously in i met your uh, business partner in Barcelona, but we met in London didn't we and you were at a really interesting point i think you guys had done unbelievably well to, to kind of get to where you were at uh, leveraging your contacts um you, know, you were kind of at the point where a classic early stage technical driven organization you know is a year or two into their journey um and then they get they quite quickly realize they need to then build a sales function around that uh, as well as as well as the product that you've built as well so what was uh, you know because you've got some 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 great people on board what was the kind of tipping point between uh starting the company from as a, as a technology organization and transitioning into what all companies have to do in, into a sales organization
0: um so yeah so i guess there was a, a the reality was even though you kind of have relationships with people and kind of trust i guess you kind of still need um kind of proactive messaging i guess to to be kind of i guess i guess essentially kind of be being a voice not just in the sense of um generally like building sales capacity because you need somebody to kind of handle sales um, life cycles but also in terms of like customer engagement so on the call bits for for us was actually getting feedback through sales like when you're trying to talk about the problem have you even understood the problem properly like is that really the problem people have and that's quite valuable um and try to kind of drum that interest and, and communicate the problem um, effectively as well back, back to different businesses. Um, and being that kind of touch point, I guess, really from the beginning of the journey all the way through um, was kind of quite key because obviously you can only spread yourself, so, you know, so, so thin before um, it, it doesn't look good for the customer either because you're not necessarily giving the right level of attention to them. Um, so you do have to kind of, rethink um i guess when you get to a certain point that customer success um and that customer journey properly so that was we kind of got to that point um in a needing it needing growth but also just the importance on the customer uh, themselves really okay
1: um and that's an interesting point because you you touched on the technology at the beginning of this uh to give the listeners a bit of a feel of of what you do um what discovering discovering the pain points obviously a huge Part of any process in helping customers achieve what they need to achieve. What so so that so the technical people listening to this can can just get a slightly better understanding. What what typically is that pain point, and and then therefore who would be a typical customer?
0: Um, so I guess it it would depend on the specifics of of the perception of the problem. I guess the problem itself is is trying to help um, digital teams deliver. Um, And there's usually a slight conflict between how organizations are constructed um, in the sense of where money flows, um, which is usually to projects or product ideas within a business, and then kind of this um, kind of central capability that's there to try and enable those digital teams to deliver. And those usually can be like central DevOps functions or central platform teams. Um, and there's different designs and patterns for how people solve it, whether it's like a one-to-one, um, like a, a, a professional service type platform engineer um, going into the team. Um, there's kind of like a one-to-one relationship, but with like a dotted line back to the center um, or whether you're providing a central platform and central capability um, and it's more of a service. And I think the main issue is the fact that there's no real... Easy tooling, I guess, that kind of makes it self service um, for those digital teams. So you usually will end up with a bit of a conflict where the developers just kind of want to get on with things. Um, the tooling kind of dictates how they end up working. Um, and then you can kind of get friction because I guess the ideal would be to have like self service, fully automated, um, easily accessible services so the devs can kind of like release features and iterate quite quickly without needing specialist resources. Um, And that usually is kind of the the, the indicative problem. The more upstream problem is then um, Mm -hmm. when you allow self-service is then making sure that you have best practice. So even if you are allowing self-service, you can't kind of compromise on security. And I think most orgs tend to be quite hesitant on developer teams being fully autonomous because then they feel they're going to lose a good foothold on how, how secure those projects are being delivered. So that kind of remains with um, this kind of like centricity in a, in a business. But actually with Core, what we realise is if you can still be central but orchestrate re- repetition really for each team, um, but then put all the best practices and the security in place through the repetition over the top, then you kind of end up in the right place. Um, and Kubernetes kind of gave you that portable... Um, workflow already for teams so it's more around how do you orchestrate around all the sides and what do you layer in um, to make sure that kind of the teams can't i don't know release insecure apps by accident or not necessarily adhere to best practice as well so we kind of started designing all of that from a tooling perspective and the product perspective really um, which is kind of what led to to core
1: yeah i get it and, and we, we've kind of touched this on on previous podcast cl- cloud native It's obviously such a wide landscape now, but it's growing and growing and growing in in different kind of areas with provisioning, runtime, orchestration, uh, different types of platforms. Are you you going into environments or or selling to customers that have got a lot of tools of some sort or software in the cloud native space already, or is it a little bit more greenfield?
0: Uh, It's a kind of mixture. So I guess it will depend on the the company because even new companies, so you have like newer startup type companies who get to a point where they're probably getting by, um, with their dev team, um, kind of just iterating and and working locally and then trying to get things into cloud. Um, And then they usually get to a point where they have to make a call of whether or not they need resources. Um, And usually that ends up being kind of cloud or DevOps type resources. We've found that a lot of the time, it's more on something to just kind of streamline and manage it. I think most people will go for a resource in in that case rather than a product because I guess it's a bit more knowing you need a product is quite a difficult challenge um, because usually you kind of know you need somebody with the experience because you're not sure on all all of the questions you need to be asking yourself. So it does become a bit challenging. So we have found that we kind of have to have consultancy on the side to kind of tease out all the questions to then make sure that the product we're going to put in would be a fit. Um, So there's still... Obviously, there's that consultancy side. So for, for, for smaller companies like that, for larger companies, they might have invested in, in a lot of tooling. And some of that might be um, because there was a gap at the time um, in the industry and people wanted to adopt Kubernetes, but there wasn't necessarily all the right tooling in place. So they've filled gaps themselves. Um, and now are looking to maybe transition away from the overhead of the technical debt that they've kind of inherited on managing this tooling and looking for something else um, to replace some of that, that's kind of more upstream or, or is, or is being engineered externally away from them. And that technical debt essentially is owned by a a product company rather than them themselves. Um, so they're kind of like offsetting risk. So it's kind of different depending on the type of company really, and where, when they started.
1: Okay. And so how early is, so you've obviously released this product. Have you got customers now on that product? Have you, is this something that's in play?
0: Yeah. So it is so It's still very early days. Um, so, but, but we have, yeah. So we've had a few customers that are now using the product. Um, and there's a lot of, um, new features that, you know, there's that always traditional thing in product where you, you always want the perfect thing. Um, so when you launch, you're kind of always holding back cause you always have, um, you know, more vision to the product of like how it can be better, um, but obviously, there's still value in just companies having a repeatable way of just delivering Kubernetes for their teams um, and also managing single sign-on, which can be quite a challenge and um, kind of making it a bit more logical um, on the types of Kubernetes clusters people need as well, um, which is kind of how we saw things with like cluster plans and things like that. So, um, so yeah, there's always new features, but we did have early adopters, so that that was quite lucky, really.
1: Yeah, I think the pr- probably initial customer base that you, you started with probably, I would suspect, right?
0: Uh, yes, yeah, So, and then some new ones as well that have come through through other people we knew who were aware of Core um, and um, had relationships in certain situations where they've kind of joined the dots themselves and been like, actually, this would fit quite well with Core um, because he understood what we're trying to do. So there's there's been a natural um solution to problem mapping by other people and then there's been people we've obviously proactively been trying to work with to to use core yeah
1: it's um it's really refreshing and nice to see i guess a company of your size and uh relatively not being around that long right you're clearly growing i suspect organically um you're making the right kind of noise in terms of um yeah, you know, certainly at Kubicon, people were really interested in in, in what you are doing. It sounds like you're getting a really cool customer base. You know, you've gone from a consultancy to a consultancy plus a product. It's really natural progression. What what's the vision for the company in the next couple of years? I know it's very hard to to predict right now. Um, let's just pretend that hasn't happened. And let's, what's the kind of company vision? Where do you guys see yourselves? Um, maybe you can tell our audience a little bit about that
0: uh so yeah i mean our focus is to try and get by organically like you're saying as much as possible so a lot of that involves um, a kind of sustainability model around the business itself um, because you have to be able to self-sustain um and the rationale behind that is more around the company culture so as much as we kind of obviously are ambitious for the business we don't necessarily want to compromise too much on the culture because it's quite a nice culture that we have. And so we kind of have to look at at, at kind of sustainability and how we can grow in a sustainable way, Um, because otherwise the alternative would be to kind of go for investment, which we're trying to get by without investment as as much as we can. Um, So that kind of tactic is is quite a challenge because you have to be a bit more resourceful um, and kind of, you know, really think through how you're gonna target the right audience yourself and, and and how you find people with the problem. How do the people find you with that problem? Um, so the vision is to kind of, con- kind of continually grow really, but also enhance the product um, as much as we can in other areas around just the developer experience um, and seeing if we can kind of improve how easy it is for a developer to get a product and release a product into Kubernetes. Um, So we're kind of focusing on those things as well as kind of the orchestration side. So um, we're hoping that we can kind of become more developer-focused as much as we are operationally focused and and cloud-focused and bridging those two gaps um, a bit more cleanly. Um, And then looking to probably work, obviously, further within the UK and then the EU um, over the next year or so um, and just see how we end up growing, really
1: you mentioned uh, really interesting you mentioned the word culture honestly this comes up in every single conversation we have on the podcast off the podcast clearly with what we do you know scaling these organizations it's not just about somebody having xy and z skill set from you know the monitoring space or um, the containerization world or whatever it's it's number one is 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 culture and we talked about this specifically on the last one as well um i'd imagine it's challenging having been in this position you know, myself also growing this company, um, you know what your culture wants to be. And quite often it is that when you transition as a company from um, uh, you know, perhaps in your example, uh, a consultancy into eventually a more product-led company or in eventually into a more sales-led company, building a sales function, do you maintain the, the, the kind of initial culture ethics that you started with it? Does it adapt over time?
0: Uh, yeah, it's definitely adapted. I'd say it was much more, Dynamic. I think the more you layer in um, and and grow the business, the more the more interesting the company kind of becomes with the people. Because I think they can they get an eye into um, what what part they're playing in the overall business beyond just kind of um, their role day to day, which is quite nice. Because obviously they they are all kind of part and parcel of um, of helping either the customer. Um, directly, or helping um, Atvia deliver value, I guess. Um, so e- either way, they're kind of part of it. So I think actually, when we did introduce sales, it kind of helped with the culture um, because it it kind of made it more interesting. So people got a bit more insight into different areas of the business because we're quite transparent um, and try to get as much communication out there as we as we could. Which is, I think, that's one of the difficult challenges. You're always spinning plates um and i think the most difficult thing is transparency when you're plate spinning because obviously communicating really well um, sometimes takes a bit of a backseat when you have got other priorities um which is probably one of the biggest lessons is trying to keep that regular um kind of communication going across the business so everybody kind of gets a, a feel for where and what's going on um but yeah i, I think the culture has, has kind of improved actually through introducing different roles is kind of was was quite a a benefit
1: and million dollar question how do you hire for culture because it's a real challenge um for for any organization i think to to hire on it or to test for it during that hiring process because you know you you guys are growing you're gonna uh, no doubt have a lot of success over the next few years what do you look for in the hiring process
0: um i think mostly it's passion um and ambition really for people like if they're eager to um kind of personally grow um you know and that's kind of their, their personal objective beyond just work ethic in general but if they have a keen interest um in the industry they're kind of part of and and they're motivated by what's going on just naturally you know as part of their personality trait then usually that kind of comes across when you're interviewing because you can you can kind of feel people's passion and you can obviously see the interest they're playing outside of their maybe their normal roles um but also kind of if if they're passionate and eager to learn then you can kind of build capability you don't necessarily have to go out and source the most experienced person um, all the time obviously sometimes you do because you do need that experience but um if somebody's motivated to learn and keen to learn um then usually you can kind of um, build build on them really if, if if that capability is there, and it's more putting them through a process of like um, teaching them the problems and and where these problems are and putting them through kind of getting the relevant credentials and and learning about cloud and then learning about Kubernetes. Um, so yeah, so it's a bit of bit of both, but usually passion is kind of the the key thing, I think. Really, okay, cool.
1: Um, and we we can't not talk about it. What, what what's happening? Is really bad right now in the world. Um, it's it's hopefully something we will get out of very very soon. It will no doubt mean technology, the way it's sold, the way it, the way it delivers, needs to be adapted a little bit to to handle situations like what is happening right now. Um, I guess the next topic we'll go on to is how how do you think companies can future proof themselves in our space by utilizing uh, different cloud native strategies?
0: Yeah, so I guess this is like you know obviously there's the the fundamental kind of reality of what's kind of going on day to day is in like you know um the hu- humanistic element um and then there's obviously the technological element which is an enabler or definitely can be an enabler especially with things going on now with remote working um, and requiring a lot of, of services and products especially cloud-based products and saas based products um i think For a lot of companies, there'll probably be a reality check of of procedures or processes, especially around security, that have maybe inhibited um, being able to work in an effective way. And that can be either through feeling in that traditional kind of boundary, locking things away on premise, um, which probably did make a lot of sense to them. But then when a situation like this has kind of challenged it, it now no longer makes as much sense. So I'm, I'm sure there'll be a quick shift of priority orders of like how can i take this thing um that's kind of on our own data centers and ship these things into cloud as quickly as possible to kind of unlock the business um and i imagine there'll be a lot of sacrifice to make when they do that because you kind of can't be a perfectionist on how you're going to achieve that which maybe they would have preferred is kind of like taking their time figuring out how they're going to do cloud native what that's going to look like in their org and now i imagine there's a a sheer push just to kind of like actually just get it done type attitude by hook or by crook so i'd imagine the cloud native journey um is going to be kind of expedited um i think there'll always be a bit of a a risk you know around how it's being adopted especially if they haven't had the luxury of of kind of spending time to plan it so there'll be a bit of um A bit of kind of information gathering as much as they possibly can, and maybe just kind of shoehorning things in to then come back to and make more cloud native. So it might be like, can I get this app into this container and just deploy it into Kubernetes as it is with the least amount of effort? Um, And then we'll just come back to it. If we can just give it the resources it needs and just keep vertically scaling it rather than horizontally scaling, because it might not be designed properly for that. Then we'll just that at least unlocks um, the business slightly, and then we can kind of come back and look at how we kind of do it properly. So I think there'll be quite a lot of that going on, which you know is good and bad, obviously in in some ways. But it's good the fact that there is there's technology there that can help and obviously help with that business continuity, which is kind of important.
1: Yeah, um, what, one of the one of the things I love uh, doing in this space. You know, we, we're a startup ourselves. We help scale startups in a really early stage, I guess, you know, similar similar to you guys. Um, and we all go through great times, bad times. You know, we have challenges, we have successes, and, and, and nobody's shy of talking about that either, because we're all in this uh, together. Leaders of other technology startups like yourself, um, you know, they, they'll have lots of great wins, but equally at times like this, sometimes it's a reality check of, hey, look, we need to we need to change a little bit how how we're working here. It sounds like. You guys have thought about that a lot and have a strategy behind it, which is which is really good. And you've talked about successes, and 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 clearly, you're a company to be looking out for for everybody listening to this. However, with coronavirus and and uh, everything going on around that, has it has it has it slowed things down? Is that just is that normal? Have you f- felt it at all, or is it
0: business as usual? Uh, I mean, there's, there's business as usual for current customers who um, we kind of obviously have to have to. They've still got deadlines and some of the projects they're working on haven't changed, as in the priorities are still kind of there. And then there's other new companies that we've kind of are are now helping is in trying to just unlock them so they can either they're they're working on things to do with Corona or they're just looking for a a quick transition. I mean, there was previous engagements where obviously we had and they've paused because downstream things have paused. Um, So it's not we're not totally unaffected. But yeah, I I think... You know, there's, there's going to be a natural pause for a lot, a lot of businesses and a lot of people um, to kind of sense check what's going to happen. And then there'll be other ones which will be prioritizing different types of activities within their business um, based on business continuity. So that's like reprioritization on business continuity over, say, um, standard growth so there'll be a change in in tactics so i I guess it's a a bit uncertain for us as to like what that means really to us as a business and whether we can help companies you know transition into cloud if if that's if that's an ask but in a more expertised way because obviously been using cloud for absolutely years and kubernetes for years as well so i guess there's leaning on our expertise which may be of help um but yeah i guess it's a bit bit early and a bit of an unknown but we have seen pros and cons i guess in some ways of being able to help some businesses and then obviously it's not great when you see other other businesses suffer
1: yeah it is a bit early on and it's so unpredictable i was hoping you'd get your mystic made crystal ball out and be able to tell our audience <laughs> when we're going to go back to normal but that
0: is a new product we're working on
1: actually <laughs> <not> yeah that's <laughs> ideal. well you'd sell you'd sell billions <laughs> maybe that's the way forward um yeah. okay cool and so so uh, I know I mean obviously I know you guys anyway but the audience are getting to know a little bit more about what you're doing and, and, and the trajectory um, but it's also awesome to hear about the leaders behind the, the the company that's growing as well so I'd like to talk a little bit about yourself because you've probably come on a journey in your you know career and, and, and lifetime to get you to a position where you're the CEO here as well um, so to tell us about that.
0: Um, so yeah I guess um, traditionally I've been um, quite heavily focused in in IT, um, and um, from a really very young age, uh, I guess like um, twelve, really, when I was like doing Linux and things like that um, and programming, and then kind of ended up working for um, internet service providers and and then other other companies, but primarily was always quite focused, I guess, on that on that kind of platformy engineering development for internal tooling, um, and then kind of as I um i guess grew and, and and ended up contracting you kind of saw quite a lot of the same problems as you were moving around um and different tactics of kind of what was what worked well and what didn't work well and then trying to forget what didn't work well and learn from that and then kind of reapproaching it with, with another customer that you were working for at the time um a different a different approach slightly um and then i kind of think we we were i then ended up kind of recruiting a, a team and worked with them for years and they were really really good engineers um, you know really capable people understood the problems and a lot of it is empathy as well not just you're really good at engineering but also you can kind of empathize with the problem itself you're trying to solve and that was quite a good team and then there was a bit of a point where I was like do I kind of want to continue hopping from place to place trying to solve customer problems as best I can or do we create a company to try and do this um as a group. And that's kind of what I ended up doing. So I kind of took the leap of faith, a lot of planning um as well on my side to kind of think through what it would be and what we want to be um, and what the main goal would be. But once we'd kind of built a platform and we could kind of see the benefit and the scale that we managed to achieve as well, it was a bit like we could definitely do this as a business and an opportunity because we've learned so much um, about what works and also engineered in that space for quite a long time and um, especially the, the the people in the team so it kind of felt like a natural progression to actually let's put that knowledge into a product and let's also um try and help other companies who are, who are trying to do this as well and see if we could make a go of it which is kind of what what, what happened really
1: was it daunting uh creating this you know your own gig your own thing from, from scratch or was it just something you were so comfortable with you you just went for it
0: um, it was daunting, I guess, personally, um, just more than the fact that like, is this something personally I want to do? Because kind of once you take that leap, you, you kind of don't necessarily get to to change your mind. Um, so I had to be sure that it was something I could commit to, you know, I could personally commit to doing. Um, but then once I'd made that mind up, then yeah, usually um, um, I kind of thought it just made sense. Um, and then the people that I was getting to work with made it a lot easier, obviously, because they're very smart people. So, as a as a team and a group, it it kind of felt quite natural at the same time. But was obviously still quite it is it is daunting, obviously, setting up a companies. But yeah, with the right people around you, usually it's it's kind of fine.
1: Very humble, Credi- crediting your, the people around you and not yourself.
0: You're the genius behind this, John. You can say that. It's fine. <laughs> I definitely don't think that's know that. True, but yeah, yeah. I mean. It's been been all of us, I think, collaboratively. To, to be fair, but then obviously setting the vision and, and working with the customer. I think I think the thing I love is kind of working with the customer and, and making sure that you're offering value, and that's the bit that's quite good when you do kind of get it right, um, and you can see the value that, you, that you're bringing. So
1: yeah, I always I always remember kind of day one of starting your own company. I can personally remember it almost hour for hour. You kind of sit there and think. God, I've, I've got to, I've got to build something now. I've got to do something from scratch here and build a build a company. Do you remember day one? Uh,
0: I do, I do remember kind of day one. A lot of it was kind of strategizing um, how you're going to do it um, and, and what you're going to do. So yeah, it was that was quite quite difficult, um, and a lot of external things you can't control as you're kind of trying to navigate it. Um, so you're constantly trying to understand like what you need to try and do. Um, and like we were saying before about when you need to kind of go in higher, higher sales, um, and marketing as well. And, and what that, I guess what that point is, and basically just digesting books. I've never read so many books in all my life to, of all different angles from like product to, to startup companies and, um, trying to get your heads around just even just learning from other people's mistakes. Um, and then kind of just, just reading their journeys. So I did quite a lot of that as well um yeah. i think that's
1: huge i think at any level whether you're you know co-founder ceo or or you know inside sales or you know first development gig i think without self-development you're absolutely nothing um you know you've got to you've got to invest in 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 that kind of uh, resource so you you've talked about mentioning reading some cool books and and whatever there's so many out there some of them are a little bit more helpful than others what what one sticks with you that you could recommend to people listening to this and say hey guys if you're trying to build something here, read this book. It really helped.
0: For product, um, I mean, it depends what your knowledge is around product, I guess. Um, obviously, there's all the, the, the lean startup um, books, which obviously are, are good. I think Traction, um, which is by Gabriel Wein, uh, Gabriel Weinberg, was probably the most useful. But I think that was the most useful when you're trying to be a product company, obviously, and you're trying to think about how how do you get traction? Um, And it was a very different approach to other books I'd kind of read, where they don't necessarily call out all the different kind of, I guess, traction channels and look at it holistically. To be like, you know, there's like 19 traction channels. Which ones are most suited for you? Where where are your users? Where are your customers? Where would they be? How do you kind of get their interest? How do you find people to kind of validate the product you're working on um, as quickly as possible? So I think that was probably the most useful, because even though you read a lot of books around what you're supposed to do, at the end of the day, you kind of have to have, especially when it comes to product, you have to have people who are engaged. Um, And that's really difficult, because it could be that the people that you're engaged with just didn't have that problem, but the problem does still exist. Um, So you have to find the right people to validate, which is uh, more challenging, Um, and people that are willing to give their time to to kind of look at the product as well when everyone's got such a busy day-to-day. So, yeah, so that was probably the the most useful book in how to, like, think through your approach. I think that really helped.
1: Yeah, and I think, obviously, in this in this development phase, I think you've got to be okay with, and I'm sure all the other leaders listening to this out there will, are okay with willing to fail as much as they are willing to succeed, because it's inevitable that you're going to fail at some things, right? Um, yeah, you know, hopefully not as a company, but you're going to have <laughs> setbacks um, along the way. It's just natural, and you learn from them, and you grow from them, and it doesn't happen again, hopefully. So, look, John, I've got a huge bias to honest, towards especially people going out there on their own, starting these kind of gigs and, and growing. I've got a massive bias to, to seeing people like you and, and, and everyone in your company doing really, really well. Even more of a bias that we you know I've known you for a couple of years, I think, from when we first met. And you know, I follow the journey as well. And we did a little bit of work together. So continue the growth. Best of luck for the rest of, of 2020. I hope you stay safe as well. Have you got any parting words to, to to people listening to this? Maybe check out your website or what you're doing, anything like that.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, if people want to, um, if, if if anything's resonated in the problems we're trying to solve, and people are kind of listening and thinking we can help, then by all means reach out. But also, if people want to adopt the product and give feedback because it's open source as well, um, that would be really beneficial. The, the the better we can make it, which is obviously going to come from people testing it in anger and giving their feedback um, that'd be really good. John,
1: been really awesome, I've loved it um, I'm sure we'll cross paths later, later this year um, so thanks for coming on.
0: Great, thanks for your time cheers.
1: And thanks everyone listening to another Head in the Cloud podcast hopefully, if everyone keeps the mining I'm on instead of Sam, you'll hear me next week as well and I suspect the audience will want that because I've been great, as has John so thank you for listening everyone